0: h-e-l-p dot slash sober. I'm Jill and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about the balance between how we believe alcohol is benefiting us and the consequences that it's bringing to our lives. So, this balance is what helps moderate drinkers know when to stop, but sometimes this balance can be disrupted and the negative consequences just don't seem to be that bad. In this episode, you'll learn about how the brain balances reward and consequences, and some ways this balance can be disrupted to increase the risk of developing a problem with alcohol. So let's dig in. We continue to drink even though it makes us miserable because we think we're benefiting from it. So our perceived pleasure is outweighing the pain, and until the balance switches, it's very difficult to stop drinking. For people who can naturally control their drinking, the amount of pleasure they expect to experience is lessened by anticipating negative outcomes like hangovers, embarrassing themselves, or drunk driving. For some of us though, even significant negative consequences like health scares, trouble in our relationships, or DUIs don't deter us from wanting to drink. The orbitofrontal cortex is involved in our positive perceptions about alcohol, meaning how it will help us in some way, fix a problem like anxiety, or give us pleasure. When we drink, endorphins are released in this area of the brain and we feel pleasure. Studies have found that this area becomes activated when we drink or just by being cued to drink, and the amount of activation in this area corresponds to the intensity of cravings that a problem drinker will experience. The part of the brain that attempts to maintain the balance by reminding us of the painful parts of drinking is the periaqueductal gray or the PAG. A 2019 study published in Science saw that when mice were given the same opportunity to drink, they naturally split into different categories, light, heavy, and compulsive binge drinkers. This study defined compulsive binge drinking as drinking despite negative consequences. So they started by training the mice to associate a sound with sugar being delivered to their enclosure. Then they replaced the sugar with alcohol and later added a substance that had a bitter flavor to the alcohol to represent negative consequences. So the mice either had no access to alcohol or unlimited access for two to four hours. And by the end of the experiment, the mice were divided into groups based on their drinking. So the low drinkers didn't drink much. The high drinkers drank a lot initially, but not much when the bitter flavor was added. And the compulsive group drank a lot and was not put off by the bitter flavor. They repeated the same experiment using mild shocks as a punishment instead of bitter flavoring and saw the same results. One group just kept drinking regardless of the consequences. This team has previously found that two areas of the brain connect to process aversive experiences, so they suspected that the medial prefrontal cortex and the periaqueductal gray were involved. We've talked about these areas of the brain a few times in this podcast, most recently in episodes 68 and 54. So the medial prefrontal cortex is involved in controlling our behavior, judgment, and decision making. And the PAG is a tube-like structure at the top of the brainstem, and its functions aren't completely understood yet, but it's well known for its role in inhibiting pain. It also regulates heart rate and blood pressure, helps control the bladder, helps coordinate breathing and motor patterns to produce speech and is involved in fearful and defensive responses like fight or flight. Humans and animals show activation of the PAG when a threat comes close to them. So we talked about this area of the brain a lot in episode 54 about feeling the urge to use alcohol to escape or numb out. So the PAG is involved in the way that we sense danger. There are neurons that connect the medial prefrontal cortex with the PAG, to help us process aversive experiences. And this group of neurons is what the study focused on. So at the beginning of the experiment, even though all the mice had the same exposure to alcohol, they had different activity in this group of neurons. The activity that the researchers saw in these neurons during the first few licks of alcohol predicted whether the mice would go on to become compulsive drinkers So drinking despite consequences like bitter taste or getting shocked. So they were able to predict this before the mice started drinking compulsively. So the mice that went on to become compulsive drinkers had more inhibitory signals than excitatory ones in this group of neurons. So remember what this group of neurons does, it connects the part of the brain that makes decisions with the part of the brain that alerts us to danger and tells us if we need to escape. If the neurons connecting these parts of the brain have more inhibitory signals, then this could mean that it's reducing any alert signal that the PAG is trying to send to the prefrontal cortex is basically minimizing the alert and making the mice less sensitive to punishment. It's telling them that it's not that big of a deal. And on the other hand, mice that had more excitatory signals in these neurons would probably perceive any bitter taste or shocks as a huge deal. So they might be in the low drinking group. To confirm that this group of neurons influences compulsive drinking, they used optogenetics, which is a technique where an extra gene is added to the genetic code of the specific neurons that are being studied. So the extra gene encodes for a protein that responds to a certain color of light. So some proteins will turn on the neuron and some will turn it off. So when they used optogenetics to turn off these neurons, they saw an increase in compulsive drinking, meaning the mice cared less about the consequences. And when they used optogenetics to turn these neurons on, the mice drink less alcohol in general, not just in the moment that they turn the neurons on. So it was a long lasting effect. A 2020 study published in Translational Psychiatry looked at the connection between the frontal cortex and the PAG and how this related to drinking severity. So they used resting state functional MRI to look at these areas of the brain. Disruption of the connectivity in certain areas of the brain have been associated with Alzheimer's, depression autism, and schizophrenia. And if you listened to last week's episode, then you may remember that connections in the brain allow it to communicate with itself and send messages within certain areas of the brain or send messages to other parts of the brain. So resting state functional MRI allows researchers to get an idea of what the brain network looks like for certain disease states and gives them insight on how to approach treatment. So, they found that participants who had elevated connectivity of the orbitofrontal cortex expected more pleasure from drinking and because of this, drank more. They found the opposite was true for participants who had elevated connectivity of the PAG. They drank less. So, the conclusions of the study were that the orbitofrontal cortex and the PAG work together to control our drinking. So more connectivity in the PAG protects against developing a problem, and more connectivity in the orbital frontal cortex is a risk factor for developing a problem. And all of these factors add up to either increase or decrease each person's risk for developing a problem. So we're aware of the negative consequences of our drinking. It's not like we have no idea what's going on, but we think that the positives outweigh the negatives and we minimize the negatives. So the orbital frontal cortex and the PAG work together to modulate our alcohol use, but the differences in connectivity strength in these areas of the brain will increase or decrease our risk for developing a problem. If the connections in our orbitofrontal cortex are much stronger than the connections in our PAG, then the signals about how alcohol is pleasurable and helps us will be much more powerful. And the signals coming from the PAG about the consequences we might experience if we drink could be like tiny whispers. Other studies in humans looking at resting state functional MRI found that some people have an elevated baseline excitation of the PAG, meaning that it's more active at rest when they are not cued by anything. So this could lead to persistent avoidance signals and reducing the threshold for a person to want to escape a situation. This type of impulsive response is called negative urgency. So someone with an overactive PAG would be triggered easier and feel an urgency to escape or avoid a situation. And that's exactly what we do with our drinking. We get overwhelmed and feel like we can't handle situations, so we drink them away. And this is exactly what we talked about in episode 54. So there are two types of disruptions that can occur between the orbitofrontal cortex and the PAG that lead to alcohol abuse. So the first one is inhibiting the signal from the PAG which makes us less sensitive to negative consequences. So we keep drinking despite things going wrong in our lives. We feel like the reward of drinking far outweighs the consequences, even though the consequences are becoming pretty serious. And the second is when the PAG is overexcited naturally, which leads to a person feeling that they need to avoid things and getting triggered to escape much easier. So for people with the first type of disruption, where they are less sensitive to negative consequences, you can think of this like denial. So eventually the negative consequences become too much for the person to ignore and they get shocked out of denial And the balance between the good things that alcohol is bringing to their lives and the consequences is tipped in the other direction. And that's when a person can finally see that they need to stop drinking. So if negative urgency resonates with you, then something that you could try is exposure therapy, which I would recommend working on with a therapist who specializes in addiction. This would involve slowly exposing yourself to things that you would normally drink to avoid and build up a higher threshold for that urgent escape feeling. So I just did this recently by going to my first sober wedding. I thought that alcohol was required for weddings, especially for the dancing part. But what I found was that even though I felt uncomfortable, I had a much better time than I would have if I were drinking. I'm going to make a YouTube video about this experience soon, so look out for that too. But other types of exposures could be getting through a weekend sober and having fun, or getting through feelings of anxiety without alcohol, getting through a major trigger and coming out the other side without drinking, or going on a date sober. So basically, whatever you believe alcohol is required for, you do it sober and prove to yourself that you can do it. So with my example of a sober wedding, I was worried about this for such a long time. And now that I've done one, the next time I have to go to a wedding, I will be much more relaxed. So my threshold for stress just increased. And even if the idea of negative urgency does not resonate with you, exposure therapy is really important for building up your confidence around your sobriety. So doing things sober and seeing that you can have just as good of an experience or better. If you enjoyed this episode, as always, I would really appreciate if you would share it with someone that you think would enjoy it or benefit from it. And I will talk to you next week.